Hello there, blog tribe. Pete McPherson here. You're listening to the Do You Even Blog podcast. It's the show for bloggers and podcasters and creators who want to make money on the internet. Awesome show for you today. The one, the only Hillary Weiss. HillaryWeiss.com is a, hmm, geez, awesome person, creator, uh, brand strategist, copywriter, just, just incredibly impressive person who's here to drop bombs about reaching your audience in such a way that they like you more and uh, like are more attracted to you. Does that make sense? We talk a lot about copywriting and personal branding and more specifically, we dive into Hillary actually uh, named it the, the statement piece. What is that? What can you produce? Whether it's a blog post or podcast episode or YouTube video or sales page or uh, your homepage, what can you produce that will attract your target audience better and have them more loyal to your brand. We talk about that positioning, branding, what is an influencer? Like, do you need to do all this stuff? We talk a lot about that in this episode. Uh, it's pretty wide ranging, I would argue, but the point is how to attract the right people and how to stand out and do it better and honestly build a more loyal following. Okay. So Hillary Weiss coming on the show in just a second. I will also point you to the uh, takeaways at the end of this podcast, I'll give you my top two or three. I will also point you to do you even blog.com. That is, of course, my website. <laughs> As if you didn't know that. But there you can find the show notes to this podcast episode. Um, so I'll go point you there as well. Is that all I got? It is all I got. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy this lovely episode with the one, the only Hillary Weiss. Hillary. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Pete. It's so wonderful to be here. I'm excited you're here. So let's start off talking about influencers, you and <laughs> your partner in crime, PIC mm -hmm. Margot, for your YouTube channel. Ham Y'all, which stands for Hillary and Margot Yell at Websites, by the way. It's, it it's a great acronym. <laughs> I didn't know what it means. I found Thank that you. out. I was like, brilliant. Anyways, <laughs> so you guys did a video a little while back talking about influencers. That word means some mm -hmm. different things to different people. So I want to ask you, let's start with this. What is an influencer mm -hmm. in your opinion? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, it, it kind of looks like a lot of different things, depending on kind of what corner of internet and also pop culture you consume. Um, but I think when people think influencer, you know, especially in the digital age, we think Kim Kardashian, right? We think like a bazillion followers. We think like face everywhere. You put your, you uh, take a picture of some tummy tea and make like 50K in a day, whatever that looks like. Um, but I think that what influencer, what the word influencer is sort of changing to mean is somebody who has, again, influence, who is visible, who is a voice, who is an authority in a specific sort of pocket of an industry or the internet. Um, and there are so many, I think the definition is certainly changing. And while there are certainly accolades uh, that can sometimes mean, uh, that come with the traditional influencer uh, meaning, like 100,000 followers and uh, right. a million people on your email list and all of these things, I think the definition is actually changing because what matters most, especially when you're doing business and creating a personal brand, and I don't think most, uh, most folks who would be listening to this or like, I started my business to be an influencer. Right. Um, but if we were to think about the the definitions that are transforming and how things are changing, um, I would say an influencer now could be someone with, you know, 2,000, 3,000 highly, highly engaged followers on the list or on Instagram or on uh, Facebook or uh, reading their blog, highly engaged group without necessarily needing to be a giant name trying to manage, in, I think, in Kim's Kardashian 
in Kim Kardashian's case, over a million followers. Totally. Okay. So you mentioned you mentioned personal branding and or branding, and I kind of want to get into yes. that here in a few minutes. Uh, and I, I told you this off air before we started recording. Kind of what I want my audience to think through right now is <sighs> precisely how much do they need to put their name and face mm. and personality out there. Some people are really hesitant to do that. Some people are completely anonymous. Some people totally want to be that person. I'm raising my hand for people who can't okay. see me, right? Both hands up. Yes, yep. sir. Yeah. Do people need that going forward in 2021 and beyond? You know, I think it's uh, it's really a matter of what you want to do. And I think that um, my, a buddy of mine, Mike Canino, made a really good distinction where some people want to build a brand and some people want to build a practice. You know, if you are a coach, if you are a copywriter designer, you can have your design like agency and practice, but it's not necessary for you to be the face. Um, but where the influencer thing com- certainly comes in handy and becomes useful, and we talked about this in the episode because Margo and I clash about this all the time. Uh, both of us are actually, you know, very extroverted. Where we both consider ourselves like, if, if you were to ask me, do I want to be an influencer based on the definition I just gave you, the answer is yes. yes. Um, because exactly because of the business that I want to build, you know, I am I built a personal brand because I wanted to speak. I wanted to write a book someday and sell that book. And in order to sell those books, you got to have a following. Uh, I wanted to give myself a chance to experiment with new offers and work with people in groups and, and create courses and programs. So that was the reason why um, creating sort of a personal brand and putting myself out there more and more was so important to me. However, if you are in an industry, again, designer, like freelancers, designers, developers, even high-level consultants, uh, copywriters, there are so many of those folks who it is enough to be really good at your job and you don't necessarily need to have a big personal brand if you're content uh, and satisfied to continue making your living off client work and those contracts. And that is a wonderful thing. And I think that's the difference between having a practice and having like a an influencer brand and there's nothing wrong with either. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to be 100%. This is just a little riff and rant here, Hillary. I'll be completely honest with you. Not all of my self-worth is tied up into my business, but I. (laughs) (laughs) All about the best conversations start. Continue. I know. know. But I would be lying to myself and everybody if I said it doesn't make me feel good when I can help other people very directly and honestly, people kind of look up to me. Yeah. Like, it makes me feel good when that happens, when that presents us. I'm not going to lie. That's an Enneagram yes. 3 talking. Yes, sir. I don't know if it's you're a, it's like a dopamine hit. It is. It that's is. part of the fun. Like, it's it's kind of delightful. If you're comfortable being visible and not everybody is. And that's I true. think that uh, every like, the online business world can be so all or nothing. You know, like, especially in, like, the freelancer space and the digital marketing space, it's like, well, if you're not an influencer, what are you doing? And it doesn't mean you don't have a worthy business. Everyone can create exactly what they want, and that's kind of the beauty of of how we live and work these days. Totally. I love that. Perfect answer. All right. So we're going to come back to what you call statement piece, and I'm going to have you define that in just a second. We're going to tease that for now. Put a pin in it, so to speak. (laughs) I was trying to think of another metaphor, but I don't have it. We'll come back. (laughs) Pin's fine. Yeah, pin's fine. (laughs) But really quick, walk me back to your backstory. And I actually want to start with college. 2011, I think, is where I read you kind of got into this whole yeah. mm, off on your own into business uh, you dream You have life. done your research. That's it. That, no one's ever named the year. Um, but yes, I. so I started, uh, let's see here. I graduated in 2011 from the University of Miami. And what was your degree in? Uh, communications. I double majored in public relations and anthropology, and I minored in English lit. 
y'all can't see me, but I'm brushing my shoulders off because I was like rattling off those options. You look so um, influencer right now with your like diamond headphones and you're brushing your shoulders off. Exactly. Your see, degrees. it's a lifestyle, man. You just have to dress for the job you want. Um, but, <laughs> but uh, so let's see here. When I graduated college, uh, the uh, you may remember the market crashed in 08. Um, and so by the time I graduated, the economy was still very much recovering. Um, and the first thing that to the things that took the biggest hit were, of course, the marketing and advertising and public relations world, right? Mm. So I had hustled for a job, hustled, had worked a million billion free internships. I had done like a bunch of side work and I was like, okay, I'm doing more internships. And I landed a job at an agency where I worked for three for free for three months for the privilege of being paid $8 an hour with a four-year degree. But before, and that was just the way the world was then. Uh, I was at a PR firm in Miami. And um, my, at the same time, like I was doing that job and I was in my final semester at college. And I was also working at the media relations department at my university. And a friend of mine sent me an email, uh, an email with a website link in it. And it was the website link of a copywriter named Alexander Franzen, who's still very known in my corner of the internet. And also actually famous for being completely off social media, which might be interesting for some of your uh, readers. It's really, that's her story to tell, but uh, it is an interesting like business model. Um, But she sent me this, this website and it was so well-written and creative and colorful. And I had always wanted to write. I've been writing since I could hold a pen. I got into PR because I wanted to be a journalist and my boss at the paper where I was interning was like, before I went to college, was like, okay, so you're going to school. What's your major? I was like, journalism. And he was like, don't do that. Journalism is dying. Like go into PR. That's where the money is. And you can still write. And I was like, I trust you, man. So that's what I did. Um, turned out I did not enjoy that world at all. So seeing this website, seeing this copywriter who was like, really just clearly making a good living and having fun. And there was all this personality just oozing off this page. And there was one line in the email my friend sent that was, you could totally do this. And I was like, what is this? I didn't even know what copy was. Uh, I thought copyright, like oh, when I thought copyright, I thought copyright law. Um, so I started sort of stalking this woman and I eventually sent her a message on Twitter. And I was like, I love what you do. Hi, I'm like not even graduated school yet, but um, do you need a minion to do your bidding? And she was like, yes, I do. So I ended up transcribing her strategy sessions and her client calls. So that's kind of how I got into the industry. Uh, and I had my first client over the summer. So I was at this PR firm and I was moonlighting, you know, writing copy and doing all these things. I was also doing transcription work for a while, which, ooh, you do not want to do transcription work, folks. <laughs> it's it's uh, a lot of people make a beautiful living doing it, but oh my goodness, that is just, it's, it's hard work. But uh, so I was doing that. And then it was probably October after I graduated. And I think word had gotten around the office I worked where I wasn't always spending a job because I was way more interested in the copywriting and the blogging I was doing. Yeah. Uh, so I got fired, which is which was probably which was fair. Um, and so I got fired, and I was like, "What am I going to do?" Because uh, there weren't a lot of jobs. It was super hard to get that one. So I was like, "Okay, we're going. We're going to go all in with this copywriting." And my friend who actually sent me the email was a designer, so we partnered up for my first business. Uh, which was Youngblood Sorcery, Digital Media Magic for the Keen and Sanguine. Ooh, a classic. Um, but we, yeah, right? It was good. We were like 22. We were like, well, how can we capitalize off the fact we're like tiny babies? Um, so I kind of built up that way. And then I went solo a couple of years later uh, and kind of built, built, built my copywriting brand. And I hit the 10-year mark and I was like, okay, I'm ready to retire and do something new. Uh, and I switched into creative direction and the positioning coaching I do now uh, mm. and brand. 
and strategy and it's beautiful. a really fun time. Like it definitely, of course, had its challenges, uh, entrepreneurial life and, and kind of building your own path, but I wouldn't choose any other way. I love that. So I want to come back to copywriting just for a second, but I don't, and I'm not going to tell my entire story because people listening to this podcast have heard it, but there were so many similarities. First yeah. of all, I graduated in uh, 2009, just after the recession, with a degree in sociology Ooh. in Georgia. Zero jobs. Yep. So I went to a mentor who told me, hey, you probably li- you like money, right? I was like, yeah. He's like, you should do accounting. I said, okay. That's how it's <laughs> like, just like you, like getting advice from these other people and just kind of <laughs> taking it. Yeah. I also got super bored at work. I won't bore you with the backstory <laughs> of my five years in accounting. Uh, ended up doing blogging and podcasting every day at work. And they loved me because I still did my work, but I, I hated the work. I took a job at a startup. I got let go because I didn't have any money. And then I was all, in, all or nothing, all in yeah. on this, do you even blog? I just thought that was interesting. It's like three big bullet points from your own story. That is super interesting. It's got to be, I'm sure that it's, it's interesting. I wonder if people who, more folks who entered the industry in like that, to, to 08 yeah. to like, oh, to like 12, I think yeah. we might hear that a lot uh, if we gather us all yeah. together in a room. Yeah. So interesting you say that. Okay. So when you, you discovered this other woman whose name escapes me, probably because I don't follow her on social media. Alexandra Franzen. Yes. Oh, yeah, exactly. Okay. She's just not on social media. <laughs> yep. All right. So you are following her. You're transcribing stuff. You're going in there. Walk me through. You didn't know what copywriting was really at that point. Walk me through the the resources that helped you kind of get good at that. I can only assume you're good because I love your website. Uh, yeah. I've, I have friends who have raved about your your personal work, like your actual copywriting work in the yeah. past. Um, so I want to hear how you got good at that. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. That's like that. No one's ever, you know, no one's ever asked me that. Uh, I'm actually really excited to answer that question uh, because it taught me a lot about creativity. So uh, I'll keep it brief, but uh, so I, I started in the, in, in the industry and, and you started at this point too. So you know very well that it was before you could throw a rock and hit like a six steps to six figures in your XYZ business programs. Yeah. You know, there wasn't really as much of a blueprint. The industry was still very new. Um, and it was still kind of the wild west, like in a lot of ways. Um, B school, even like Marie Forleo had only yeah. launched like a year or two before. Mm. Um, and I think that. One thing that I learned, so the, the Alexander Friends had accidentally trained me in some ways because I was transcribing her client strategy sessions, and that's when I started. Uh, and so what was happening was I was listening to the questions that she'd asked, and it really revealed to me that I think um, one thing I keep learning over and over in my creative work is that so much of good creativity comes down to asking really good questions and learning how to listen really well. Um, so I would listen to the questions she would ask her clients, and then I would hear the feedback that the clients gave her without seeing the drafts. Of course, I didn't have access to that. Um, but sometimes I would go and look to see how the website had ended up if the client had launched. So I would look, I would hear the questions that she'd asked. I would um, hear kind of the edits and the pushback that clients gave her. So I kind of started learning the patterns in the industry that way. Uh, and then I would see, I would go check out the website to be like, okay, cool. This is where it ended up. And my brain was registering these million little details and these million little tools that she was using uh, through her strategy. So um, I, that's part of how I learned how to like have client conversations and what to look and listen for. But hilariously, the most uh, useful resource I think for me at the time was actually the copy blogger. Like you remember yep. copy blogger back then had this like suite of, I think they might still, they had this basic copywriting course that was like they a do. full suite of programs. I think it was like five modules or something ridiculous. Um, and I was broke. So I was like, oh, it's free. It's dope. Um, so I actually ended up downloading those 
And I, I kind of learned that way. And then from there, it was a lot of learn by doing. I would Google stuff if I didn't know how to do it. Um, I learned how to read examples and swipes and like uh, and dissect them. So, yeah. you know, you look at a page of copy, you can tell, okay, they're speaking to the pain points here, results and benefits here. Like, why is this segue happening? Like, what's the emotional journey I'm being taken on and how can I replicate that? Um, and I has still to this day, haven't really taken a copywriting course, though I created one uh, and then retired it. But I think that so, <laughs> yeah, right. I think so much of what I learned in copy and, and how I learn as a person and actually how I structure a lot of my offerings and services because my clients are this way um, is that I'm just a learned by doer. So I was like, we're in the deep end. Let's go swimming. I like that. Uh, one thing I'll underscore that you said was, I hate to use the word templates, but we'll, we'll talk about swipe files and I actually call them copy blocks. Maybe I stole that from somebody. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. I have like a Google doc that I, I keep pretty freshly updated with a bunch of my own copy blocks for my like three areas of expertise, which for me are like systems and productivity, podcasting, and then automated funnels. Like awesome. those are, those yeah. are my three things. And so I have three different documents actually where I have just written down, you mentioned like, um, I, I can't remember which ones you said, but like feature benefits, like mm -hmm. problem agitate solution. And I have like mm -hmm. 30 copy blocks that I've stolen from all the books <laughs> I've read. Yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, it's helpful just to like never start from scratch with anything. I just open that doc and I'm like, Oh yeah, I should probably be doing this. And I can shape a sales page. I could shape an opt-in page. Yeah. Like no doubt. That's what's up. Um, all right. So, Hmm. Yeah. Let's fast forward. I, I, I kind of want to get to the statement piece because I think we're kind of going that direction anyways. Sounds good to me. Let's do it. All right. So define for me, and I'll link to this in the show notes. You actually have, I'm assuming it's a PDF. Yep. Actually, statement piece framework. Yes, sir. Okay. Mm -hmm. Hillaryweiss.com slash statement piece framework. Give us the what first. What is this framework? What is the framework? Okay. So once upon a time, um, I was a copywriter as, as we, you have, you know, well now, um, and I was about four or five years into my business and I was like, oh man, you know what? I haven't written anything for myself in a really long time. And this happens a lot. I think in all creatives, we're all shoeless shoemakers, right? We never do for ourselves. We do for our clients and it's yeah. hard and all these things. Um, and I knew that if I wanted to build a brand, if I wanted to build visibility, if I wanted to be a voice and an influencer, so to speak, um, I needed to do this and I needed to start. Um, but the, the problem was every time I sat down to try and write a blog about copywriting, I was bored out of my gourd immediately. Uh, because there, you look up and you're like, okay, what do I write about? So you Google, how do I figure out what to blog about? And then it's always the same template. Who is your audience? What is the problem? How do they solve it? And it's like, oh, but I don't want to write 50 blog posts about how to optimize your sales page. I don't want to. So I didn't. Uh, and thus, I didn't blog at all for a really long time. Um, and then I had this idea for an article for like probably like a year. Um, and one day I literally shot up out of bed at three o'clock in the morning and I was like, you know what? I have to write this. And it's, it's still up. It's called, uh, notes from an unremarkable child, how painful averageness equipped me with a life philosophy. And it was literally about how I was just like, yeah, I was never very good at anything as a kid. Like I, I wanted to be the star of the soccer team, but I was a bench warmer. Like I would love to be a lead in a school play, but I was in the chorus line always. And like, I would just been trying again and again to kind of be great, you know? Um, and I learned 
quickly. <laughs> I wasn't naturally super talented at anything except writing. Um, but I needed to, so I needed to work. Like I just needed to learn how to work. I kind of coasted in high school, uh, college. I definitely got my stuff together. But uh, once I hit the um, copywriting scene, I was like, okay, I'm not the, I'm 20, 21, 22 years old. I may not be the smartest, the most strategic. I may not have the most knowledge, more than most, be the most clever or creative, but I'm going to outwork every single person in this industry and I'm going to get where I'm going. And it worked. Um, the the long-term effects on burnout and my mental health, notwithstanding, that's another conversation for another yeah. day. And I, I've since kind of rethought that philosophy. But totally. um, so I wrote about that in the blog post and it was not something that I was supposed to be writing about quote unquote. Right. Um, mm. And so I launched it and I was like, okay, well, at least this is out of me. At least I've started. And it was, it got the most attention of anything I'd ever written up to that point. I was getting phone calls. I was getting texts, comments, so many shares. And I was blown away by the fact that I was breaking the rules and writing about something that was not copywriting, which is not what I was supposed to be doing. Um, but people were giving me such a response. So I was like, okay, maybe there's something here. So I started writing more and more in that vein where I would, write about the experience of creativity. I would write about what I was seeing in the industry. I would write about experiences that I had had that were universal, that weren't kind of being given voice in the industry because so many people were just writing seven steps to optimize your sales yeah. page. Yeah. So I had the opportunity to talk about that stuff and be a little contrarian. And I really built a name for myself that way. People would look forward to my content because they know they'd hear something they hadn't heard before. They know they'd get the truth or at least my truth. Um, and it really created kind of a, a really wonderful audience of, of people. And so as they do, people were like, all right, how do you get the, your ideas for these, these articles? Like, where do they come from? And I was like, well, they literally land in my head and then I write them and then it's done. Yay. Like, there you go, everybody. That'll be $20,000. Um, <laughs> but so I, I actually sat down and I, and um, uh, do you know who Kevin Rogers is? No, I don't. So he's he's a, a big in the copy world. He has this event called Copy Chief Live, and he and I spoke at the same event that year. He's a he's a stand up comic, um, and I went after him on the uh, on the at the conference that day, and that was intimidating. But he liked my talk, and we ended up chatting. And he was like, "You have to find a way to systematize this. Like, you have to find a way to share this. How you think of ideas and how you come at stuff. People would be all over it." And so I was like, okay, I'm going to write a writing framework so I can help people. And then immediately I panicked and did what everyone always does, which is like Googled how to write a writing framework. And that's where I came upon that old formula again. Who's your audience? What their, what's their problem? How do you solve it? Um, so for me, I was like, okay, this is, I went through probably five or six different versions of it. And I, and I said to myself, maybe I, I turn the model upside down or inside out. What am I doing? Um, and actually Margot, pushed me. She saw, she read through three different versions and she was like, this is cool, but it's not you back to the drawing board. Hmm. And I realized that what I actually needed to do was what I had learned to do in my writing, but not how to turn into a process, which is that my writing was working. Uh, my articles and ideas were working because I had learned to take notice of my own ideas. I had stopped sort of giving my power away to formulas and following a template. And I had learned sort of to study where I get inspired and why. Uh, so I decided to turn, I wanted to teach other creatives that because I think in the industry, we always are kind of trained to believe that somebody knows better than we do, um, or that somebody has a better idea about what we should do. There are best practices. Let's just follow those. Uh, when in reality, like why you should always start with best practices to get your footing, ultimately how you come at things in your own unique way 
is um, what's going to make you visible and what's going to make you powerful. So the statement piece framework, I turned it into um, basically a content and idea generation tool. And how it works is there are the three statement piece scenarios, um, and they are three categories of conversation, actually. So I found that when I was going through life, I was most inspired after talking to people and getting into these conversations. And I wanted to look at what I reacted to in those moments. So uh, the three statement piece scenarios are the conversations that you have with your clients, the conversations that you have with your colleagues and business besties, and the conversations that you have with yourself on loop in your own head. Um, and the trick to the scenarios is that there's there's it's sort of a, a dichotomy. So you can be in either scenario, in any scenario, excuse me, you can be anti or advocate. So for example, if you are talking to a client and they say something and you're like, oh my God, not this again. Okay, listen, um, I know that that advice is being given, but I don't agree and here's why. That's anti. Similarly, if a client says something and you're like, oh my God, where have you been all my life? Can I clone you? That's advocate. What is that thing? What's getting you so excited and why? Similarly, business bestie advice. If you are anti, it's something that after a bottle of wine across the table, you're like, oh man, did you see this? Ah, I can't believe it. That's total BS. Holy smokes. Similarly, advocate. Oh my God, I love that trend. I'm so excited about this. I can't wait. Hmm. And then the same scenario in the conversations you have in your head, because you're going to have the same discussions over and over. Uh, and so just learning how to notice how to notice them and turn them into ideas and content uh, is really kind of the baseline of my whole brand and my purpose because uh, my whole job is to give creatives a really powerful way to show up for themselves. Uh, and the starting point of that is learning to notice themselves and notice their own ideas and start creating from there as opposed to looking for another template. So that's the very long story. And that's what the statement piece framework is. It's okay. And I'm actually going to repeat back what you just said. Only to get more clear myself. Um, I'm not gonna lie. Like I was, I was, I was trying to like really listen and like take that in, but I have to verbal process. Else I I'm don't understand you. anything. Okay, so I'll just repeat it for my audience. Maybe this will be helpful for folks as well. I like that your this whole thing, the statement piece, your PDF, the framework. People can go opt into it. Like this whole thing is about helping people. Uh, kind of learn to notice themselves, what mm -hmm. they believe, what they think, and then inject that into their, let's say, platform. How about exactly. That? Okay. Yep. Um, I like what you said about, I was confused at first, but then I, I came around. Sorry. The conversations, <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. Yeah. The conversations with like clients, the conversations with like friends over a bottle of wine, and then the conversations you have in your head. Mm -hmm. And for each of those, you didn't say this, by the way, but this is kind of where my head went. Yeah. I love this, hate this, yeah. right? Love this, hate this. Yeah. Love it, hate it. Um, as an example, you might enjoy this. When you were talking about your, your, uh, I was just going to say viral, <laughs> the blog post that started yeah, to get yeah. attention, uh -huh. right? My number one blog post, my number one piece of content ever for that, like unexpectedly getting people mm -hmm. to engage and react and call me and email me, my version of that. I literally kicked off the blog post. I don't have it in front of me, but I remember this. You know the Wiffum thing? What's in it for me? Like, yep. My entire audience knows what this is, right? Because yep. we all listen to like the digital marketers and all that stuff. <laughs> They're like, no, nah, talk about your audience. Your audience's pain point, who they are, what they want, like everything you just said. <laughs> I literally addressed that in the intro to this blog post. I said, this blog post is about me. It's for me. I don't care if you get it or not. Like this is for me, me, me. Yeah. Uh, 
like I that's literally the intro to this blog post. I just thought that was interesting. Like, like I'm I'm literally just opening up. I'm talking about things that I hate and love in that blog post. I kind of accidentally fell into your framework just a little bit there. Aha. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Smart yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that I got a, I got a lot of questions and I wanted about what a statement piece is. And I do want to just make sure I button that out too. And I think that, uh, so I developed statement piece brands um, and the idea came from the idea of statement piece clothing or jewelry. You know, if you are wearing a statement piece necklace, uh-huh. for example, or t-shirt, it says something about you and your personal style. And it works the same way branding does, where it brings in the right people to talk to you and say, where did you get that? And it repels the people who are like, who does she think she is to wear that necklace or that shirt? Um, And so a statement piece, the statement piece framework is for creating statement piece content. So I call it, you know, a uh, personal philosophy point of view or perspective that makes you radically relevant to your perfect people. So like the blog post example you gave me, like that's a piece of statement piece content where it's you, it's your personality on full display. It is something that's unusual and it brings people to you and it makes you a magnet for people who resonate with who you are and you as a personal brand. Um, And so content can be a statement piece and brands can also be statement pieces. You know what this makes me think of? I'm just going to be completely honest with you here. Shame. It makes me feel shame because I look at like literally in the past two days, I've created, I'm creating like a, a new funnel. I've created like a landing page, an opt-in page, and two sales pages. And I've also worked on my website recently for the first time in like a year and a half, by the way. Ooh, exciting. Uh, Not shame necessarily in a bad way, but as in like a, I need to fix this way. I'm looking at what I've written, even in the past couple of days, and be like, ugh, (laughs) I've been following the frameworks and the formulas and the blueprints and the yada, yada, right? Like what everybody else told me to say, what everybody else told me to write. What everybody else says to do, <laughs> I've been falling into that. And I, I, it takes me having this conversation with people, brilliant people like Hillary, to kind of uh, notice that. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that I – so I want to say, like, while I, I absolutely support using templates, especially to do your job, you know, if it's, gonna, if it's helping you show up, it's, if it's helping you put things together, if it's giving form and shape to your ideas, I'm not anti-template at all. You know, I use one for a sales page template on my site for everything else that I build. So I'm pro-template. Um, but I, I'm, I'm pro-structure, I think is what I'm trying to say. But what is uh, where I encourage people to deviate – is for example, let's say your headline, I always use wellness coaches as an example, because it's like the easiest, uh, for some reason, it's the easiest industry to just rip, pull something out of my butt. Um, but if you're a wellness coach and you are, let's say, speaking to millennial women over 35 who want to lose weight, if your headline is lose weight fast, it's like, okay, that could be anybody's, that could be anybody's sales page, right? That could be for any target, that could be for anyone. But if you're gonna tell me lose weight fast while watching Netflix as much as you want and look as good, like and have be be able to do the kind of cardio Beyonce does, like that's way too long of a headline, but you see what I mean. Like switching up the language and the introduction and the the angle and really thinking through not just who your target is, but how do they, how do you speak to them? How do you speak to them in a way that only they understand and is going to create that connection between the two of you? So it's less about the structure and the templates, uh, which I can I fully encourage you to break the rules to your heart's content, but it's also finding your own angle, finding your way in in a way that's going to make you instantly recognizable and for your perfect people to say, oh, there he is. Yeah. Something I love about what you just said. There's a, uh, I don't know what the right word is here. 
But uh, maybe irony, talking about yourself, not necessarily talking about yourself, but injecting your personality and your beliefs and your things you're obsessed with. Like my good friend, Liz Wilcox is obsessed with NSYNC. But is that the one with Justin Timberlake? I think actually, yeah. You know, Liz, Uh, her entire website is like totally early nineties or mid nineties or something. And she has like NSYNC posters and t-shirts and she puts them in her emails all the time. Like this is like part of her thing. Iconic. Um, Yeah. If you don't know, Liz, you need to follow her. She's like one of my good friends. Anyways, doing that, ironically, like attracts your yep. people. And the, the irony is that you're not talking about them all the time. You're not thinking about them in every single sentence on your website and the whole whiff on thing, right? Like yep. just being yourself and being 110% of yourself, I would argue, uh, yep. not so ironically attracts your people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we like when people are fully expressed, like we're attracted to them when we see somebody confidently liking the things they like and doing the things that they do and doing them very well and selling themselves confidently. Um, And I think this actually brings us full circle to the influencer conversation as well, because I think a lot of people think audience building is a wide play. Audience building is a deep play. It's about really not just not finding, you know, 10,000 followers for Instagram so you could have the swipe up. It's about getting, you know, a, a handful of people at a time who are really, really invested in what you do, who are really, really eager to hear from you, see you, feel you, have you in their inbox. And I think that creating that connection and especially not just creating for them, but talking to them and being in conversation and creating a whole community for yourself. You can have a multiple six-figure business with a a following of 3,000 people on Instagram, a really modest email list, if those people are highly engaged. And there's that saying, right, that you can have uh, you can have a million dollar business off a list of 200 people if everyone's just like super primed to buy. And of course, yeah. that's it's kind of a statistical, and that would be a statistical anomaly in so many ways. Yeah. But part of what Statement Peace branding and what I always strive to teach my students is that it's not about bringing as many people from anywhere as possible by telling them, like by giving them fake promises or luring them in with somebody else's strategy. It's about being yourself and creating the things you want to create and the way you want to create them so that that cluster of right people who are going to buy from you, be obsessed with you, tell the world about you, can find you. I like that. So, oh man, Hillary, I got to let you go here in a second. Is it okay if I ask you like one or two rapid fire-ish sort of questions? Lay it on me. All right. I just make these up as I go along. I don't have like a full list, (laughs) by the way. Who are you learning from right now? Ooh, I'm I'm always, always, always learning. Um, I think in terms of people who I'm obsessively following, um, I mean, Laura Belgrade's always a classic copywriter. She's like also lucky enough to consider her an internet friend, which is a blessing. Um, and she's just, she's fun because I enjoy her brand. It's not overwrought. Um, she talks about how lazy she is pretty often. And overall, um, I like, uh, what? <laughs> Sorry. You're lazy I like, too. I do too. Yeah, awesome. I tell there I'm we go. There we go. And that's, it's a way, it's a good way to be I'm in the hustle culture of the internet. Push back, my brother, push back. Yes. Um, but I like her. I just like her vibe. She's funny. She's irreverent. Um, and I actually love her philosophy to email. Um, she doesn't talk about, I think a lot of marketers can get really obsessed with being like, okay, what's the action item in today's email? Um, but she's kind of against that philosophy and her suggestion and the way she frames it is be the bright spot in someone's inbox. Mm-hmm. So you can just show up and tell a story. You can show up and ask a question. Not everything has to be you teaching or preaching. And, and I just really love that. 
Um, and in terms of someone else that I'm learning from in the broad scheme, um, I have my friends, obviously, Margot Aaron, who you know, um, who I love and adore, and Sarah Kathleen Peck, who runs the blog Startup Pregnant. Um, we always talk a lot about business and we talk a lot about what's happening and also about the emotional experience of business, which I love. Um, and just ways to kind of get through it together and be real and weather it. Because when you're in business for yourself and you're on a regular launch cycle and all these things, it can there can be a lot of ups and downs. Um, so I learned a lot from them about emotional regulation, about how to muscle through, about how to you know stay secure and grounded in yourself as you move forward. Uh, and then another couple of friends I learned from are Rachel K. Albers of Awkward oh, yeah. Marketing fame. Uh, and then she was on the Mike- podcast. Was she? Oh, yeah. she's. We have a group chat. Her, me, and uh, Mike and Eno. We we talk every day. She's the best. I'd pay uh, money Mike, to be in that. Go ahead. Sorry. Mike, Mike and Eno. Exactly. We were actually literally. We we're like, we should monetize this group chat. So maybe we'll take guests for. Oh my god, I love. We're in our twenty thousand dollar mastermind. Um, but Mike and Nino is also a huge inspiration for me. He's a speaking coach. And uh, he's actually building a concept out about being a certified original. And I just always love, love, love learning from him. Okay. Love it. Last question here. Uh, this is a little awkward because it's going to sound a little negative, but it always brings something interesting. What is one thing other creators and online entrepreneurs should stop doing immediately? Ooh. Mm. What should they stop doing immediately? Mm, I mean, first thing comes to mind is taking boring photo shoots. Stop doing that, y'all. Come on. Um, But I I think that uh, the second, I think the second half of that is, um, I think, and this is gonna this is gonna sound trite, but uh, but I'm just gonna say it. Uh, When it comes to creating content, I think a lot of people really get in their own head, and they're convinced that like either everyone's gonna hate it. Or if it doesn't go viral, they're going to dissolve into a puddle. And so it keeps them from showing up at all. And so I want people to stop hanging so much stress on the actor showing up and creating and doing stuff in public. Because as a dear friend of mine would say, shit ain't that serious. It's just not that serious. Just show up, do the thing. The most likely thing to happen as you're building is that nobody responds. And that's not going to kill you. Yeah. (laughs) Really? uh, So... I actually wrote down in my notes here, be the bright spot in somebody's inbox. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I've said this before a few times. I want to stand by and underscore what you just said. If people approach online business, actually any work for yourself sort of stuff, I'm going to argue, with uh-huh. the intention of also having fun. Yes. Like yep. building the practice of this is fun. I'm going to try and do more things that are fun that also help grow the business and reach people. Yep. We all have those things. We can all identify the top two or three things that are fun. If we try to inject that into our brand, platform, whatever, blog posts for that matter, other people are attracted to that. Yep. Be the bright spot in somebody's inbox. Sorry. There's, I'm going to avoid the rant, but that resonates with me like 100%. I wish it was mine. It's Laura Bell Grace. And I just, I love that. Worth learning from her. She's awesome. I love it. Um, and I think that's so true. And, and that's the way I structured so much in my business. And I know it's the same story for you is that I was like, well, I'm stubborn. So if I'm not enjoying myself, I'm not going to show up. So how can we do the most fun, colorful, enjoyable, silliest things? How do we put together, give a, put a, put together a really stupid name for a YouTube show that we're going to have fun filming? How do I create content that I'm going to have fun creating? I totally, totally agree. If fun is the engine driving you, especially if you're building a personal brand, which takes a lot of time and patience, you might as well enjoy the ride. Yes. Yeah. I love it. 
All great points here, Hillary. So Hillary, W-E-I-S-S, HillaryWeiss.com. I just felt the need to spell it. I was about to say, do uh, you, some people ask how to pronounce my name, but you were correct. I was, well, I, I have the link here there we in go. my desk as well. <laughs> yeah, I am going to actually point people first and foremost to the statement piece framework. I want people to go check that out. Yes, please do. Ham, y'all. By the way, that's yes. H-A-M. Y-A-W, that stands sure for is, Hillary yeah. Margo Yell at Websites, a totally casual like Zoom chat sort of YouTube channel that I completely dig since I've been Thank doing my research. Is there anywhere else that you would like people to come and follow your own personal brand? Is there anywhere else people I would want people to follow me? Or is there anyone else I would want people to follow? Yeah, come follow me on Instagram. Come party. Um, that's my platform right now. Uh, I love um, Facebook was was my favorite, but now it's definitely Instagram by a long shot. So come over and say hi. I'm also on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me on over there. Twitter, if you like one-liners, uh, that's where I go to just sort of mouth off. Uh, I hope you like <laughs> football. Uh, one-liners and pop culture references because I do a lot over there. But I would also, if you're listening, friend, I would also love to hear from you. So if you want to pick your preferred platform, one thing I would love is if y'all would send me a DM just saying hi, because I'd mm-hmm. love to meet listeners and let me know what your number one takeaway was. I love this. My audience is really good at this, by the way. Like, Ooh, something excellent. I did well in my first... Oh, I'm serious. I'm bragging here. No, something I-, I did well in the first like two years of this podcast. I've been slacking the past year. <laughs> but was getting that engagement. People listen to the yeah. and they take action. I've yep. had people... Um, email us after three and a half hour long episodes and they do it. It's absolutely insane. So I'm going to tell everybody, let's go, let's do Instagram. I'm going to, I'm going to force people to go to Instagram Done. and yell at Hillary's website. Yes. <laughs> and just tell her your number one takeaway. Yes, Here. please do. I love making new friends. Come say hi. I can't wait to meet you. Love it. Hillary, thank you so much for coming on. Pete, thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. I hope we get to do it again soon. Alrighty then, ladies and gentlemen, here are my top couple of takeaways from this chat with Hillary. I want to kind of break down her statement piece framework, if you will. I'm going to do it in my own terms, but you should absolutely go check out HillaryWeiss.com. I think it's linked to right there on the homepage as well. You can go download it and work through it yourself. I found it very helpful, but I'm going to repeat it right now in my own terms. So here we go. This is the last couple of things we talked about on this podcast. Try and imagine a scenario where you're having a conversation. In fact, one of three conversations, a conversation with your clients or your boss at work. And it depends on your niche and what you're writing about. The conversation with your client or your audience, I'm going to say. And then a conversation with your peers, your friends, you're hanging out. Maybe you're at a conference in your niche or a conference, a blogging conference, or you're just chatting with your real life, like best friends friends over coffee or beer or wine or whatever. And then the third conversation, what you have in your head, the conversations you have with yourself. All right. You got those three scenarios right here for each of those. You can go through and just imagine the other party, your friends in the second scenario uh, or your clients, your audience in the first scenario, and then yourself in the third Sorry, I'm like jumping around. I don't know why I decided to put it that way, but there you go. For each of those, you can imagine what the other people were will say, loving it, loving it, or hating it. For example, let's talk about your audience. Let's say you are in the bluegrass music niche. I'm standing next to my mandolin, so I'm going to say that. What do bluegrassers think? If you're just having a conversation with somebody at a bluegrass festival, what do they love? What do they hate? What are they ranting about? Oh my gosh, I wish this didn't happen. Oh man, I wish like uh, we didn't have to deal with this. 
or the love part. Oh, I love uh, this new company's new mandolin picks. Or I, oh man, I love this new up and coming artist. Oh, I love this thing. What do they love? What do they hate? Imagine you're having that conversation. Uh, what about your friends, your peers? What if you're talking to a friend? What do they love? What do they hate? What are they? How are they talking? How do they say it? That's actually probably more what your friends would say. What I just said, like, oh, I love this thing. I hate this. A client or your audience might actually phrase it a little bit differently. That can be helpful to think through. What do they love? What do they hate? And then the last one, conversations you have for yourself. This one's pretty easy. What do you love about mandolins, about bluegrass music? What do you hate about bluegrass music? right? What is that conversation that you have in your own head? Oh, I wish this weren't the case. Oh, I wish I could just do it this other way or the opposite. Oh, I, I totally love this. Oh man. Yeah. I, I love the way this looks. I love the way this sounds, whatever that is. The three conversations, one with your audience or your client, two with your peers or your friends over the dinner table or the coffee table. And then number three, the conversations you have in your head. If you want to go through this exercise and kind of make up a conversation, love it versus hate it, this will provide you a lot of insights, stuff you can write about, the ideas, as Hillary calls it, uh, that you should produce in order to attract the right type of audience, to attract your target avatar, to be super fancy, ironically better. And I say ironically because really these are your ideas. These are your opinions. These are your beliefs. These are things that you love. These are things that you hate. But in writing about them, in putting them on your homepage or your sales page or whatever, you are ironically, I'm going to argue, attracting the right people and doing it better. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. It's a little fuzzy to me. I'm still verbal processing this myself. Sorry, audience, for listening. But hopefully that was a little bit helpful to just underscore the little uh, framework that Hillary shares and hopefully give you something that you can take away to your next blog post, your next piece of content. If you're going to go update your website, if you're going to go write a sales page or some emails or whatever, hopefully you can inject this sort of thinking into that. There you go. That's my takeaway. All right. And without further ado, I'll end this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Go check out Hillary on Instagram. Oh, that's right. You got to go bugger. Go send her a DM on Instagram with your number one takeaway from this chat. Whatever that may be, just think of that really quick. What'd you learn? What was your number one takeaway? Go bug Hillary on Instagram. You can also find her at hillaryweiss.com. Ham yaw. <laughs> Ham, H-A-M, yaw, Y-A-W on YouTube. That is her YouTube show. It's actually really great. Uh, go check her out. Thank you, Hillary, for coming on. And that's all I got, Blog Tribe. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in the next podcast. Adios. Adios.